You haven't signed up for Connect? Are you nuts? You're missing out. You're really missing out. Click the button, pack your bags, call your account manager, grab your boots, and I'll see you this June in Nashville. We are on a mission. A mission to save and revitalize independent pharmacy. On the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast, you'll get actionable business advice. Hear stories from industry leaders. And share a laugh or two with us. Fuel your passion for pharmacy. One conversation at a time. Four. Three. Two. One. Ignition. Welcome to the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast. I am not your host, Jeff Key, and I am also here with not your co-host, Marsha Bivens. Hi, I'm not the co-host today, but my name is Marsha Bivens, and I'm the Director of Marketing for Pioneer RX. Today, the host of Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast is Doug Hoey. He is the CEO and Grand Pumba of NCPA, National Community Pharmacy Association. We are also joined today by Craig McGowan. He is the CEO of Red Cell. Door is closed, cameras are rolling and recording. So, um, Doug, kick us off. This is your show. Yeah, well, thank you, Marsha. And as far as uh, Jeff's promise that I be in control, that's not, uh, well, no, it is, uh, I guess, my, not request, but my conditions for doing the podcast is that, you know, we started this reverse podcast. You guys invited me in to do it and really related to the acquisition, the merger. Mm -hmm. And so it's been, this is the third one. Yep, this is number three. You guys, you guys keep inviting me back, so I guess um, I guess you're having fun with it. So I don't know, I don't know why, but it's, uh, it's our most watched podcast. It is actually. Yeah. Well, that, so, that so, says, so Doug, you're bringing quite a few fans. That says something about the state of entertainment in our country, I suppose. <laughs> well, uh, let's see: disease, war, inflation. Uh, I don't I mean, think we quite fall into trashy TV. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Jeff and I were just talking before this saying it would be great if we could go back to traditional business and just worrying about competition because so far the biggest issues we've had were an act of God and an act of war in this mm -hmm. company. Yeah, no, we're off to a great start in 2022. So maybe maybe we can not think about those things for a couple, for, for 45 minutes or so. Um, but yeah, thanks for inviting me back. And just, you know, as I've mentioned, I think the last few times that um, – you guys have told me, and and I appreciate it that all the questions are inbounds, and we're not talking about doing some puff piece because, you know, we at NCPA would have no interest in doing that. Um, and you guys have been good sports about uh, keeping with those uh, kind of ground rules the last couple times. So, you know, let's jump in. Um, I'm actually going to repeat a question that I started. Uh, it's definitely the last one, of the last podcast, maybe the last two, but one of the things that NCPA and its members, one of the concerns they had when they heard, now it's uh, a, almost a year and a half, it's a year and three months since the acquisition of, of Pioneer, is that when a company gets acquired by private equity, and again, our members have, have seen this movie before, that it's not all good changes. And in fact, it's, we've seen some bad changes when private equity came in, like not keeping the platform up to date, not continuing to innovate, and departures of some key personnel. So again, almost almost a year and a half into it, how would you respond to customer concerns about the uh, acquisition of one of their, you know, the, the one of their primary practice tools? I mean, the platform they use every day. I've said before that there's really three things that a pharmacist uh, is vital to a pharmacist, a pharmacy operating, and one of them is their pharmacy management system. So. Uh, how would you what what would you say to people who are still concerned about the um, the acquisition private equity private equity coming into the acquisition? I, I I think we started off our conversation this morning with you know if, if we were if we weren't starting off this year with a uh, war and a pandemic, it would be a completely different conversation. It'd be a lot more positive. Private equity has not affected us at all. They've helped us grow. 
the thing that has affected us the most is the pandemic and getting people if they're not out from the pandemic it's finding people to fill uh to add to and help grow but it's it's really just that's been our struggle this year um or really the last couple of months is we've had people out because they got covid or and and trying to find bodies that want to work but people are still too scared to actually be in person you know there's a lot of cool things that happen and and some of it is we feel robbed of some of the value that could have happened had we not been facing some of these other challenges. But um, I guess PDS was um, sitting in a restaurant and ended up beside a guy who was there by himself and uh, ran in the private equity world. Uh, matter of fact, he owns a, a private equity company out of New York. And he was talking about how all the people that he dealt with had moved to Florida. And so he was there in Florida seeing people he was dealing with. And and uh, we got to talking and, and about our experience and how we're with Francisco Partners. And and he was legitimately congratulatory to us of, hey, guys, you guys ended up with the best, right? there. If there's any place for you to have ended up, that was really the right place. And And still, when people ask me that question, you know, owners come and go. I think Pioneer is better with the owner they have today than the owner that they have yesterday. Uh, the experience they brought yep. to the table, uh, the things they've done, um, they, they, they've left us alone a lot. So if I say, hey, the thing that they've really made better is, is QS1, you see a lot of improvements there in support and in improvements in the product, moving versions from 80 versions to, to just a couple where it actually can be supported, uh, answering the phone um, in a timely manner. Craig, you have anything else to add to that? Yeah, I, I maybe a couple of those. Make sure you, you guys are the ones that, that should be answering it versus me. I can tell you what we've done. And so, I mean, factually speaking, Pioneer's got 30% more dollars to spend in R&D this year than, than last year. And so we're, we are absolutely investing. I also would say, you know, when, when we have a strategy and I say we, I'm, I'm putting my private equity hat on. I don't work for Francisco Partners, but I've run businesses for them long enough that I feel like I might as well. Um, we absolutely want to make changes. Uh, and so I, I, I try to be really honest with customers that if you think things aren't going to change, you're wrong. Uh, now, hopefully the changes we're making are for the better, right? So we increase investment in Pioneer. We're, we've made massive changes at QS1. Um, some would say great and some some wouldn't love it because we, we are actively shifting investment dollars. We're, we're also investing probably four times more into R&D than any competitor in the market right now. I feel pretty comfortable making that statement. So in QS1, We've done a lot of things, right? We've improved support. We've improved the quality of the product, but I don't shy away from saying we're not going to work miracles with a product that is that age. What we're going to do is invest in a new platform. And so you're starting to see the fruition of that, right? So in, in Pioneer right now, we're, we're beta testing what I would position as, as the world's most modern pharmacy switch and claims engine. We've totally reinvested in, in po the power line switch, and we'll take that uh, out to the market and we feel that it's, it's the best in the world. We're, we're launching a, a beta of the first long-term care SaaS PMS platform in the country that'll come to market in May. Uh, and we, we made the commitment to that two years ago when we purchased QS1 and we're, we're going to do that. Um, we've launched a bunch of clinical adherence programs because now as, as a business that has uh, access to 10,000 pharmacies, the manufacturers will listen to us a little bit more and we can bring solutions uh, to the pioneer base that frankly pioneer couldn't have done uh, on their own. But then besides that, we've said pioneers done some really great things. Well, we'll give, well, we'll give more dollars to invest. We're not going to tell Jeff how to invest it. Uh, Jeff and the senior leadership team, which by the way, it's the exact same leadership team that was here mm -hmm. 18 months ago. Um, they're the most innovative people in pharmacy today. We're, we're not going to try to pretend that we know best on, on, on what Pioneer should be becoming from a future set standpoint. That, that would be my answer. I mean, so. Yeah, hey, Craig, you mentioned QS1. You've made a lot of changes there, some that people would like, some that people yeah. wouldn't like. Maybe yeah. just run a couple of examples of on, on both sides, some that people yeah, sure. so, would like and on the other yeah, side, so, too. So I think people love the support. You know, like, uh, factually speaking, the support is is – 
about 90% better when you look at all, all the different metrics, you know, the call wait times, the backlog of calls, the backlog of, of technical debt used to sit at about 14, 1500 defects uh, at any one given time. That's down under about 15 now. So we've invested a lot in product quality. We also obsoleted SharpRx. We, we, we told the customer base, there's 140 customers on SharpRx. You can't keep an experience for a customer with 140 systems across the country. And so we gave every one of those customers the chance to go over to Pioneer or ultimately to stay on, on NRX, but the vast, vast, vast majority went, went to Pioneer. Um, and so folks probably didn't love that we did that, but we can't, we're, we're like any company, we, we don't have unlimited funds. So you have to choose where you think you can make the most impact. We think the most impact we can make is giving Pioneer more dollars to come out with more innovative features. We think that the market is going to be really happy with a with an alternative uh, to switching in the marketplace and the services we can provide uh, when you can fully integrate that technology in, into a PMS platform and a patient engagement platform. We think that the market needs a SaaS solution in long-term care. So we're making the choices to go there. Um, and so as a result, we we've told the NRX base, we will, we promise you that we will do everything we can to keep that as high quality solution as we possibly can. We're not forcing you to go anywhere. We, we promise you we're not doing that, Yep. but we can't pretend that we can come out with the, the amount of features in NRX that you, that you can in Pioneer. You can't. And so we're, we're not going to pretend and, and try to spend money to do that. We're going to tell you if you want the most feature rich platform in the market, Go to Pioneer. If you if you want to promise that you'll have a super high quality system, we promise you we're going to do everything we can to make sure the support's pristine. You can absolutely stay on NRX. We're going to continue to invest, but not at the rate that, that we will in Pioneer. So there's probably some customers that don't love that choice, but we, we think it's the right choice for the balance of our customer base. Why are you guys keeping two separate platforms between QS1 and Pioneer? Why, why not just put them together? I mean, is it the LTC play or why, why do you keep in two? Let's yeah, be super honest. People don't like to be told what to do. Yeah. People don't yes. like you force people off. You, you force people from one thing to another. You know, we see, uh, you know, there's another competitor in the marketplace today. Uh, as a, there's a group that got out of pharmacy business and kind of pushed their business to somebody else. And we saw their net promoter scores go from what was close to ours to very, very low. And we talked to those people at trade shows and they're pissed off and, and they don't like it. And and it, and they're moving to a decent platform. People just don't like to be told what to do. Uh, we ran into that in the uh, in the early Pioneer days where we there was a previous product called Prism. We moved people. Some of those people are still mad at us because they they remember I knew every shortcut, I knew every way. I was the I was the queen of the pharmacy or the king of the pharmacy and Yeah, and, and that's, that's so. the biggest thing that I've heard also with um, Linux-based users is that I know every shortcut. I can fill a prescription in five keys and they're not really look. It just tells those pharmacists are not interested in getting into clinical. They're just looking to fill the prescription prescriptions and help the patient how they can, but they're not looking to really grow their business. And technologically you can't merge those platforms. Right. It's not, mm -mm. That, yeah. that's not technologically feasible. So you're, you have a choice to say, do we want to force a customer base to do something and we don't need to do that. We don't think it's the right thing to do. The NRX platform is a very fine platform. I'm not trying to beat up the NRX platform, right. but it's older. I mean, mm -hmm. right. uh, part of what you have to deal with if you want to run a good business is deal with the reality that you have uh, in the business. And so we we love the NRX customers. We're going to continue to support them. And we are make every, we, we launch features in it a couple times a year, but we, we're not going to uh, pick it on, on, uh, on Marsha's point on, on clinical services the, the best clinical services platform in the industry is pioneer uh, there is also a pragmatic point to the long-term long-term care play you know the the qs1 base we always talk nrx it's it's nrx and a product called prime care which is a dedicated long-term care platform uh, i also wouldn't make the statement that i think every dedicated large-scale long-term care facility should should be on pioneer i don't think that 
that's a fair statement to make either. And so we absolutely are committed to the long-term care market and we're committed to coming out with that, that product later this year. Well, and to also add to what Craig said in the beginning that, um, and to also answer your question, Doug, is that we did have another competitor that tried to mash their Linux and Windows-based system together and it did not go well for them and they abandoned it. And there, there's some of that, uh, you know, people don't, there's also, you know, Coke just doesn't sell Coke. You know, sometimes there's different, you know, different flavors for people in different places. And and you decided not to do new Coke? Decided not to do new Coke. Decided not to do no, new Coke. New Coke yeah. with your products? Got it. Yeah. We're for those, with of, the for those of us old enough to remember new Coke. New Coke. And, yep. and how that went. Uh, do you have any other insights for us? Is, is there other things that we're doing that <laughs> we should know about? Oh, yeah, I'll get to that in just a oh, second. Oh, he's Uh-oh. Let's get to the good stuff. Yeah, this is, we're let's, in the hot seat today, let's Craig. Let's get to the good stuff. Now, I'm not going <laughs> to come to this thing without talking to my members about, hey, how's it going for you? I mean, um, and, it, you know, to Jeff's comment that, you know, people don't like to be told what to do. Are you telling me that independent pharmacy owners don't like being told what to do? Yes, I insinuated that. Okay, yeah. well, that might be true. <laughs> Um, I also noticed just on the long-term care, I noticed that, uh, that Red Sale has started a new podcast. Yeah. Focused yeah. on long-term care pharmacies. Actually, the Integrity listen to, X-Files, yes. Yeah, listen to part of those. You did, uh, thank you. Yeah. Francis, Francis Nahas and Jim McDonald are doing a great job with those. Yes, yes, yes. I have to mention that NCPA has a long-term care division. That So when you're looking for future people to be interviewed, I can I might know some people. Um, we'll follow up with you on that. Um, a question, so on the culture, and, and Marsha, you brought up a really uh, interesting point as far as whether it's the great retirement or being able to hire people and just, you know, some of the really struggles that, that you've had. And not and you're not alone. I mean, just yeah. everyone across the country is having mm-hmm. problems. It's brutal. It's, it's not. It's nuts. And it's a common co- a conversation piece that we've run into with multiple pharmacy owners. Yes. Yeah. Well, tell us more about how it's impacting the operations at at, uh, at Pioneer. I mean, hiring it slowed down for a little bit, and because I mean, a lot of people were out with the with COVID, and January we hired what ten new um, pharmacy. Uh, yeah, we've hired a lot. We've hired a lot in the last two months, and it's just a matter of you know now we got to get them trained and up to speed. But um, we. COVID has just been, a, has really become a struggle for us. Yeah. I mean, we've had people out for two weeks or. Have customers noticed? Have any pharmacies? I oh, mean, I, I haven't heard. Oh, yes. A- absolutely. Yes. Yeah. We, a matter of fact, we sent out a letter here probably about a month ago, just letting everybody know what's mm-hmm. going on. Our wait times are up yep. on Pioneer. They're getting better. But. Yeah. Um, Actually, they're, they're about back to normal this week. Yeah. We were down uh, because of yeah, everybody and their brother. I, I talked to a pharmacy the other day. Uh, he lost two pharmacy techs because people were looking nationally for Pioneer X trained um, pharmacy yes, techs to work from home. That's the new thing that we're and, hearing. And so you've got everybody's targeting these people to work from home. And so it's been a big challenge. We had to switch from a geographic hiring process to a national. We're now hiring pharmacy techs on a national wide basis um, just to get the number of people because we use pharmacy techs for our software for support. support. Yep. We don't just hire somebody off the street and try to teach them pharmacy. And uh, the, the positive of that is that we'll be able to hire more experienced people probably than we were to hire by limiting geographically. Some of the reason we resisted that when we were a smaller little company was just dealing with employment laws in 50 states, yeah. if you can imagine. But now with the resources Francisco Partners has, that's one of the things that's enabled us to do that. Hey, we can actually hire in multiple markets. And, and finally, and one of the things we're going to do is probably over hire our ratios a little bit. Uh, to try to focus on, because these will be newer people, they're going to need stronger training. And um, so that, that's been a challenge. And, and figuring out, you know, figuring out the right model for remote versus in-person by function is uh, has been a challenge for us as well. You know, mm-hmm. uh, yep. people want to work from home, but people solve problems better together. You know, human nature right. hasn't changed just because of pandemic yet. Yep. And, you know, if you're trying to innovate uh, a pharmacy platform and you've got a bunch of engineers working remotely, that's that's not the most conducive way to innovate in a, in a lot of ways. But you also have to balance that with the, with the needs, the safety needs and the the realities of a hiring market. And so we've, we've really had to kind of experiment with 
between product support and development by location, different strategies to not only keep up productivity, but reduce employee attrition. You know, yeah. we're, we're not immune immune to that like, like any other business. Yeah, I think every business across America is trying to navigate re- returning to to work in person, returning to yeah. work in person and the yeah. balance, because I see very few businesses, well, not very few businesses, I see very few office and, and businesses going back to five days a, uh, a week. And of course, people listening to this podcast are like, what are you guys talking about? I'm in the pharmacy every day. My mm-hmm. people are in the pharmacy yeah. every yeah. day. This working from home stuff, you know, where's the bonbons and the- It's definitely really affected the hiring market. Yeah, I tell you, and that's something that that NCPA could play a role in. And I'm not, and also the organization, who, who's the organization that's the member of state pharmacy associations? NASPA. Because yeah. one of the things we're seeing pharmacies do is pharmacies are hiring remote techs. And they're just saying, hey, I know my local regulations don't allow it, but I don't have a choice. And, you know, you lot, I remember early days in Louisiana, you know, they were the defined area of the pharmacy. You couldn't have somebody working a computer in the, the office next door of what they define that line, right? Because that was the pharmacy regulations. Whatever we approved was the pharmacy where everybody had to be. It's got to change. Yeah. Well, it's, it's another topic um, for a presentation I did recently. Uh, it was looking at the, you know, five trends to look for. And tech and tech is one of the trends I mentioned, technology and technicians. It's probably a longer conversation, but I, I absolutely, I think it's something for listeners to keep an eye on is that there's going to be a push for greater use of technology, greater use of technicians, especially in the face of really the disastrous scenes with the chain drug stores most of the, or in the last six months, where so many patients were uh, orphaned or left without their prescription because their chain drugstore, Walgreens, CVS, usually um, just closed and the patient couldn't get their prescription. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. So that's going to create a big push for greater use of technology, greater use of technicians, some of which could be good, some of which could be really threatening to the profession. We, so. we, we talk, I think that the communication tools and the communication technology between pharmacies, I think there's, there's a, a vast amount of innovation we can, we can bring to market to, to mm-hmm. help with the change of practice there. And, Absolutely. And it's going to be important. Well, and we have to, you know, one of the things we're, we're looking at there is, is really trying to transform, move the pharmacist role sooner in the process to be more patient focused. So kind of, you know, you, you see the thing in the world, the, the pre-check, right? Checking new scripts. But in that modus, having the pharmacist check the whole patient. And so the, you know, the normal check station with the, where a pharmacist is, is used to being, where he checks it after the, you know, the tech puts it in a, in a bottle, tech can do that. You know, the, they can do that all day long. And you got states now letting them do that. The piece the pharmacist needs to do is look at the whole picture of the patient, see what all are they taking, what's changed, what's weird, what should they be taking, recommend some OTCs, this kind of thing, and more of a, if you look at pharmacy systems were traditionally prescription-focused, I just thought about one prescription at a time. Boom, here's the next script. Let me think about it. Here's the next script. Let me think about it. Trying to move to more of a EHR type focus where you start thinking about the patient first. And let me get an overview of the patient first. I think that the the bump and the struggle that we're going to run into there is there's some states that allow remote checkers. So the pharmacist isn't actually in the pharmacy checking that prescription. So they don't care about the patient further than I check the pill. That's the right and move along. Yeah, I think a person can care. Hopefully, yeah. a person can care remotely but, just like they can locally. You're just going to have to, that's going to require investment in, in in technology in order to make those things possible. Yeah, and it's also going to require the, the pharmacist to start. What we did at the beginning was assign care workers. So this pharmacy tech is assigned to these 10 patients to care for and look after and make rec- help them with recommendations. But a pharmacist still has to make those recommendations, whereas the tech is the one making the connection point. Interesting. Very interesting. And I think the, the pre-check philosophy and looking at the patient holistically is, uh, is an important development for, for, uh, you know, for us as pharmacists. Um, so that'll be interesting to see, you know, how those tools that you're providing and other systems are providing are going to enable the pharmacist to be able to again do that holistic check 
So it's not only the prescription, but maybe they say that, you know, talking with the patient, they need a blood pressure monitor. You, Jeff, you mentioned some OTCs. Um, you know, what other things might be going on with that patient besides that prescription that they're in there, you know, in the pharmacy that day to pick up or it's being delivered to them that day? Um, let me ask, you know, Marcia, this is um, something you said at the last podcast. I was asking about the... Um, between Jeff and Craig and their different personalities and how they were meshing. The bromance. You, exactly. You described, you described them having a bromance. And I, was, I, know I was really, really hoping that term just ended with. No, nope, not going to work. You were thinking that wasn't coming back? No. Nope. No, I, I was thinking Benifer. So instead of Benifer, is it could it be like with Jeff and Craig, could that be Jag huh? or Jag? Cray J? Cray J. I like Cray J. Cray J. Or, so, Cray J, how's that going? Or, Marsha, how's that going between Cray J? So, um, sometimes I call Jeff in the mornings because I've got about 50 things on my brain that I want to get off my head as soon as before I walk in. And uh, I got hung up on this morning for Craig. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> It, it's still, it's still, yeah, I say for me, it's still a great, um, been a great learning experience, continues to be a great learning experience. Um, you know, we were talking today about processes and, and, and how, you know, the normal nature of these things that come in and build a lot of processes and, and, and he's tried to protect me from processes. And I'm like, well, you know, that's exactly right. There are some processes that are good. And I love the vision of saying, Hey, processes are bad, except when they're not, and let's just do them where we need to. And, and, uh, so it, it really, Craig is really has a very practical view of things and, and, but has enough experience with some of the things, everything done in the corporate world, even some of the things we detest started off with something valuable, right? And then they just kind of got out of whack and, and he has a good mindset for figuring those things out. What, why do we do this thing that we, why do we step over this place that we step over every day? Um, so, where there used to be a wire in the way or something. So I'm, I'm going to add and, and kind of, um, give you a candid. Okay. Because I mean, that's what yeah. we're doing here. I'm afraid. So, <laughs> dish, dish, Marsha, dish. Craig's first trip up here. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie here. I was intimidated out of my freaking mind meeting him. And I'm. Do you appear bald people? I'm married <laughs> to a man going bald. That's not possible. Um, no. I mean, just. I mean. Everything, your experience that you were bringing in, and I'm like, oh my God, we're, we're basically interviewing. I mean, I felt like we were re-interviewing for our jobs. Is this, this what this is? I mean, is he evaluating us? Is he, you know, leveling us up? I walked, and I probably said a whole bunch of stupid things in my first interaction with you because I was just that nervous and just that intimidated. But I walked away just in awe of his experience and everything that he's everything that he was going to be bringing to us that he has brought to the table and to Pioneer. And I mean, a lot of us kind of felt that way walking in. They're like, okay, what, what is this? You know, why, why is he here? And we all walked out of the room with the same feeling that this guy's awesome. And I can't wait to see the amazing things that he's going to help us do. So there wow. you go, Craig. There wow, you go, Craig. That's okay, what's the next question, Doug? This is starting <laughs> to feel uncomfortable. Yeah, he's starting to feel uncomfortable. So, um, yeah, so this is a, a question for all of you Um so again, doing some prep for the podcast in advance, I reached out to some members and and asked them, you know, what are you seeing with the Pioneer QS1 products? And this comment came back to me that they they believe that Pioneer's, this person's opinion says Pioneer's product is the best. He then went on to say, um, I would say that they are still the industry leader in PMS, but they also know that. And ego cockiness could get in the way of potential partnerships that could benefit pharmacy. So I thought, well, that's a pretty nice backhanded compliment. Mm -hmm. um, how would you, what are your thoughts on this person's uh, comments? So I guess I'll start. So, um, you know, we have run into a couple of potential vendor partnerships that 
we looked at it and we're like, why we're already doing this in, in Pioneer? And maybe we need to reach out to that pharmacy and better educate them and somebody walk them through how we are already doing this. And and some, th- and some companies that we've approached, we went, okay, that doesn't make sense. How are you making your money though? And then they befuddled through their answers and it's like, I don't trust it. And, but, but they did a very good job on selling that, that pharmacy owner and making that pharmacy owner feel like they needed this product as much as they needed us. And so that's the only thing I can think. There's a variety of reasons. You know, those are my top two. Yeah. Sometimes it's just investing. It's just deciding what you're going to do and what you don't, you know, what, um, what I love about my job and what I hate about my job is there's always way more to do than I can do. And, you know, uh, Marsh and I visit a lot of pharmacies. Craig visits a lot of pharmacies and they're always in there that have pharmacies that have, have niche needs and you have to make a decision. Um, you know, one of the most recent one, I have a customer who wants a bunch of changes in an interface to a product that we have 150 customers on and we have to figure out, you know, how do you, how do you spend that money? You know, how do you, which, which product and interfaces do you invest in? Which ones do you want? What are going to make the most you know, what's going to help the pharmacy make yeah, what's going to help pharmacy the most in that product. And we have, I get one a day of a vendor who wants to integrate with us, who wants us to program an interface to them. And if that's the one that one pharmacy wants, they may feel, Hey, we should have done it or shouldn't done it. And I don't know if that's, it's not a, I don't know if that's a cockiness. Um, if you have 10 pharmacies and you have a product that affects 10 pharmacies, you invest in it. If you have 5,000 and you have a product that it, an interface that affects 10 pharmacy is harder to do. Yeah. I, I maybe just add kind of two things, two things. One is I, I think my view on pioneer is that pioneer is one of the most disciplined software companies I've ever interacted with, particularly when you go to market strategy. One of the challenges with any software company is you, you typically, unless you're in a declining phase, you typically have vastly more features that you could put in than you can afford to put in in any one, one point in time. And, and having the courage to be really disciplined about what you think is most impactful and having the courage to tell the customer that, it requires just an immense amount of discipline that most companies don't possess. Pioneer does. I also think Pioneer has developed the workflow that is the best workflow. And at times, it'll come across as cocky that, We'll go in and advise a pharmacy, no, this is the way you should do it. The way you were doing it was not necessarily the best way. And we've seen 10,000 pharmacies and we, we can do that. Maybe the second point is we can always get better at how we communicate that. And, Absolutely. and sometimes that, yes. that can come across as, as cocky. Yeah. It mm-hmm. sounds like in this situation it did, but um, but that's probably the area that we probably as, as a team can always get better at is just kind of, how we communicate the why and what we're yeah. doing. That's yeah. a huge frustration for me because if I talked to that guy on the phone, Doug, and, and that pharmacy and I had a conversation, he would understand our business. He would understand our heart and, and what our goals are and, and how when your, your goal is to save independent pharmacy and what we're trying to do, that some things you can do and some things you can't. But I can't physically talk to every pharmacy. And that drives me nuts sometimes. It's, it's one of the reasons the podcast, you know, still, hey, the podcast reaches four or 5,000 people. You know, every day I think, of how could we better, you know, should I do a fireside chat? Should I do, how, how better can we I? We talked about that. I know, but how better can I get that experience with a pharmacy that I can get when I talk to them one-on-one for, for, for 10 or 15 minutes? Because there's always ways to be frustrated if you want to be frustrated. And people have lots of things to be frustrated about today. Um and maybe we should go ahead and put that out there and, and capture these questions and just have like a a quick like, okay, here's a Q&A. So I've got a list of customer questions. Jeff, how would you approach, how do we approach this? Yeah, something about. So, yeah, another podcast. I don't think this comment was born out of anger or anything. It's just, you know, I yeah. cast no, the net and said, all. hey, tell me how it's going. I'm getting ready to do a podcast. I'm not going to walk in there without you know, to talk about our member experience without some member experiences. So. Uh, and I think it's great. I love it. I, I love to hear every one of those somebody has. Um, they they frustrate me and drive me. So, you know, you you, you take both of those together. This is on the um, the Red Sail website. And under its story, under the on the website, it says, um, with nearly 10,000 customers, Red Sail Technologies is the leading provider of pharmacy software solutions. 
So, okay, that's what I would expect a company website to say. But then the next sentence says, we are committed to serving community. You're wondering what your website says, aren't you? <laughs> no, I've, I've read it. Okay. Keep no, going. No. Keep going. Keep I going. hate it when people do that to me. They're like, I'm like, oh man, what, what did someone put on my website? They say, this, so this says, we are committed to serving community-focused pharmacies, and our mission is to build the most clinically advanced and financially sustainable pharmacy networks in the country. Yep. So I'm focused on that word networks. Can you elaborate on what you're envisioning when you're talking about building networks with your pharmacy software solutions? Yeah, I, I almost almost used that in the in the last last question. I I'm gonna go back to Jeff's one speech, you know, long live independent pharmacy, independent pharmacy's dead. Technology, I, I most fervently believe that technology is the singular thing that can save and revitalize independent pharmacy. I don't think it's regulations. I've never relied on the government to do anything good, and I'm not going to start now. <laughs> and so our, our view of the network is that we've got to create a platform, both through the PMS system, our communication technology platform, our pharmacy uh, switch and rules engine, that all the independent pharmacies that want to can sit on that, communicate within their pharmacy, across their pharmacy, and with their ecosystem in a super easy way that lets third parties, whether they be manufacturers or payers or the government, interact with that network without having to go reach each and every one of them. I think COVID taught us that as well. I think COVID taught us we've, we've got a whole nother level of trying to put independent pharmacies on a network that they can access while still remaining as independent as they like so that third parties can interact with them much more easily and efficiently because wake up call, they're not going to do it with each and every one of them. <laughs> it isn't going to happen. And I also don't think contracts are the way to do it. I, I personally don't. I think for 30 years, people have been trying to contract with independent pharmacies to make them behave like one pharmacy. And that's never going to happen, in my opinion. So that, that's a, a bit of a winded answer to your question. Yeah. And that, that, that concept that you can only drive consistent behavior through technology. So, so to be able to go and commit to something, and, and then CPSN runs in this through a lot, right, where they're trying to work with, with a, an interested party to provide some type of functionality. And in order to drive that in multiple places, and you've got to, it's almost got to be accidental. You almost have to fall into it. And, and so that's the concept of technology-driven network. Um, so a, a, a practical example I won't disclose the name just yet, but so we, we just signed a, an agreement with a with a large manufacturer to help bring some uh, vaccine solutions, not COVID related, vaccine solutions uh, into the pharmacies. We're going to deliver that through our technology platform to the pharmacies, right? You don't have to contract for anything. It's just uh, additional adherence type solutions and, and therapeutic uh, delivery options. That manufacturer wasn't going to go around to 10,000 pharmacies to try to implement that. They, they wanted an easy way to roll that into the workflow for the pharmacy. And, and they're willing to do it. They're happy to provide that solution and a better solution than independent pharmacies had. But they couldn't do it on 10,000 individual networks. It, it just wasn't going to happen. So does, that, does that answer your question, Doug? It, it gets to it. I mean, there's probably 10 other questions to ask related to that because there's a lot of different networks out in the uh, industry. Yep. And so how does this network interface with uh, other established networks that are out there? I mean, I think that's a natural question. Yep. I don't know if this is the time or place to get in. I mean, well, it is the time. We're, we're here. So. Why not? How does it interface with the other other established networks uh, in pharmacy? Well, we, we've got uh, connections to about 98% of the payers out there. So it depends what network you're talking about, I guess, is the is the question. Probably the most natural one. I mean, you mentioned contracts. And so, you know, PSAOs have networks of pharmacies uh, through, through contracting entities. And that's, you know, when we talk to payers, which we do pretty frequently from an NCPA standpoint, usually complaining to them, you know, they'll say, where's your network? And I say, 
got to talk to the PSAOs. They're the ones I, I can't, we don't negotiate contracts. I can't sign a contract that binds my pharmacies to anything. Yeah, that, that's a contractual network that we're agnostic to. Um, uh, we'll, we'll work and interact with all of them, but uh, we're not in the business of being a PSAO. Uh, I, I think if you, if you actually build the communication platform appropriately over time, you're going to see pharmacies build virt- real-time virtual networks together. That'll, that'll pop up for a particular opportunity. Which is the then, CPSN model. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, how does this, and, and that's another one, how does it relate to the CPSN model, the, the network that you're building or ha- well, have if, built? If you look at, yeah, if you look at how we have been, I think, I think we've been trying to build upon it, right? So what is it, about 98% of the country's e-care plans that get submitted through CPSN are, are pioneers and uh, that's 95% of the other 3% is, is QS1. And so we view that as a, a great example of the vehicle. We, we, we put together a program at the end of last year to help, help fund clinical uh, services across the CPSN uh, portfolio. And so we'll, we'll work with networks like that to try to drive the behavior that we think is healthy. In this particular, in that particular example, we think pharmacies providing clinical services are one of the ways to save and revitalize independent pharmacy, and we'll work with CPSN to continue to do that. Yeah, Jeff, would you answer that? Yeah, I would say. I mean, you know, we try to be a huge enabler of CPSN, and one yeah. of those is the opportunities they come up, and they're they're different. So the CPS opportunities are, are mostly regional opportunities. So uh, Missouri comes up with a regional opportunity for them. And, and hopefully we can be, you know, probably about half of PS, uh, CPSN is on Pioneer X today. And you had, you had QS1 that probably runs into your 60, uh, maybe 70%. And so you want to be an enabler of those things. Um, you want to try to support the and put the things in the pharmacy system that they have. Uh, or that they need in order to do that. And we do a lot of work on the care goals and things like that. Uh, when you look at this kind of network, you're looking at more manufacturers and adherence type programs than you are looking at payers and sure. um, getting the dollars or like specialty and, and doing things where, where somebody wants to offer something to pharmacies in the workflow of the pharmacy system that they couldn't offer. You know, if, if a manufacturer went to a PSAO and say, hey, I want to offer this and and have your members do it, I can't even imagine how they would try to get that done. Um, you know, one of the PSOs was talking to us last week about, hey, how can we help get more of our members doing MedSync? Because they can't help their members do more MedSync. MedSync has to be easy, has to be in their workflow and that kind of thing. So, so it's different um, and complementary, I think. You know, one of the things, Jeff, you said um, that it almost has to be accidental. Yep. And just a note I jotted down is it needs there with independence. We want to be independent, but yet there needs to be some accidental uniformity. There mm-hmm. has to be that consistency. Correct. And, you know, whether it's, you know, the technology can provide that uniformity. So that when you're providing data back to whomever is interested in that data, that they there's some uniformity. It's not all over the and map. And I would say you can't build uniformity through contract. You can't build uniformity to agreement. Lots of people have signed up for different contracts and do things 20 different. The only way, and that's why why you, you heard Craig say he believes the only way that you can really save and revitalize independent pharmacies is through technology. The only way that you can deliver consistency is through technology. So related to that, so vertical integration of primary care, that's I mentioned this um, presentations I've been doing, and that's this is a big theme of one of the of the presentations I'm doing: vertical integration of primary care. And just for uh, as examples for listeners, you know, CVS is probably the most quote unquote classic example in our in our galaxy because of CVS Caremark now buying Aetna. That is vertical integration of primary care. They're controlling that patient journey. Walgreens has gotten into the act with Village MD. Mm-hmm. which is a bunch of primary care yep. docs that they've, they've been acquiring, spending billions and billions of dollars on that. Walmart's gotten into the act. They've been kind of dabbling in it for years, but they, um, I think they, by the end of this decade, they want to have over 2,500 primary care sites, either on location or in their parking lots or wherever they would have them. So it's no secret, primary, uh, the c- controlling the patient journey is what everyone's trying to do, whether it's CVS, Walgreens, Walmart, or that big health system in your town, or that big health plan. So 
the question is, um, it sounds like this is on your radar in spades. What tools are you developing to help position independent pharmacies play a bigger role in primary care and with these vertically integrated networks? Yeah, it's an interesting and sensitive issue. Um, you know, we've explored some things like um, helping some of our, our our pharmacies with some telehealth partners because, you know, one of the models there, somebody comes in, they have they seem like they have the flu. I can give them a flu test right here. It, uh, our, and if it's positive, I put them on a telehealth visit and then I um, can dispense them a, a, a Tamiflu or something like that. One of their challenges there is is a lot of independent pharmacies, a lot of them have strong relationships with local healthcare providers who see this as competition. And, and, and a lot of our pharmacies are in more rural settings where the, the Walgreen Health Initiative isn't really the, the competitor. So, you know, how does that factor in? I know I was, um, I, I have avoided getting a, a GP for some years now, I, I pretty much just every year went and got my blood done and I'm healthy. And it's like, Hey, as long as this, all, everything looks good, I don't need to take the time to go do this because somehow I like to be at work. But I finally broke down and did that this year. And, and, and so I, I told her, well, this happened. Well, how, how'd you do that? Well, I had a telehealth visit. I had a telehealth visit. And she's like, Oh, you know, we have telehealth. You, you can call in here and we'll get you in telehealth any time of the day. I can't call there and get an appointment. But now I can get telehealth there. So what you're hoping is these relationships that these pharmacies have with these local doctors, that the technology will come along where they can have a telehealth solution related to that. And, and they can build those with those partnerships that they already have um, rather than trying to create something of their own. Um, long term, I think some of that leapfrogs and it's going to be a, a portion that's going to be telehealth. Yeah. I mean, we tried working with the telehealth early on that we were going to try to integrate into the Rx local app. And um, there, there was just things that weren't willing to talk on their side. And we were really excited about that, but it just didn't work out. But and I still mean, the struggles, though, as we talked to pharmacies, that, that some pharmacies wouldn't want to support it. Right. They don't want to support it. Because it felt like that would upset their local relationships. Mm -hmm. I, I also think ultimately, from a technology standpoint, there are a couple things I've mentioned a couple times kind of uh, we're working on what, what I'd characterize as a uh, more more innovative communication platform between pharmacies and and in the industry uh, and and across pharmacies. I, I, I think linking real time communication between pharmacies and providers is going to be an important an important element of both text, video, uh, and audio, uh, and so I'll just kind of tease that a little bit. Uh, we're working on some tools that I think are going to be really, really important to that. I also think part of the reason we're, we've developed um, a next generation switch is I, I think ultimately the transaction side of that needs to be a lot more more integrated between the medical and, and pharmacy benefit. We, we've got a lot of work to do there, but the step one was building an architecture that makes makes that possible. Um, we've, we've looked at the solutions out, out in the market for a long time and just didn't, didn't believe that there was anything that was built on an architecture enough that you could integrate um, rapidly enough. And so I, I think those two technologies that we're working on become really important to help pharmacies. I, I don't think we should be advocating a national strategy around that, to, to Jeff's point. I think uh, as I'm learning the independent pharmacy market, you know, it's very local and the strategies are going to be very local, but we've, we've got to create kind of the, the pipes and the tools to enable these, each of these local and regional strategies. I think a lot of it is going to be partnerships with um, local and regional uh, hospitals, primary care providers and health systems uh, as a loose solution to that because many of those, those facilities frankly, don't don't welcome or want the Walgreens and CVS solutions uh, either. And so I think there's a natural relationship that that should flourish out of that. Yeah. And just one thing I'd say, keep your eye on if it's not already on it is, you know, and I saw it in my own hometown where the local health system was gobbled up by a bigger health system, which was gobbled up by a bigger health system, which was gobbled up. And so all these local relationships that we had were gone Yeah, because it's up in some corporate you know, suite somewhere all the way down to, you know, my small hometown. And 
you know, great frustration. I mean, talking to my parents about healthcare in their hometown is is not is not a fun experience. They're they're not very happy with it. Um, so I do I, I agree that it's all local, but I do get concerned about these conglomerates gobbling everything up, and so really limiting those local choices where the local guys have not no freedom, but less choice than they had before to work with their local, you know, yeah. the, the, the local yeah. people who are doing the job. Yeah. And I think there'll be a, there'll be a telehealth. Some of our pharmacies will adopt a telehealth relationship where they have a preferred telehealth provider that they work with for, for patients that come in and, um, and solve problems that way. I'm going to pivot a little bit. I know we're getting close to uh, a wrap here, but, um, yeah, I'm going to test the bromance here. Um, it's kind of like the newlywed game, I guess. Uh, Craig, who is Jeff's favorite business author? Well, I, I don't know who his favorite author is. I'll tell you the one that he talks the most about is Zig Ziglar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, as I was writing this question, I was thinking, yeah, I think he talks about him a lot. But I also have heard him talk about Simon's. Simon Sinek. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah cuz those are the two I would have said as you said that. Very good. You know, he's a, he's a big fan of from good to great as mm -hmm. a, as am I. Uh, we we share a few few different books that we we like. Well, on Simon Simon Sinek, uh, in his book he starts uh, the starts with why book or start with why. Yep. He talks about the difference between uh, novelties and innovation. And one of the examples that he gives, and it's a little outdated, but I think we can all relate to it, is the Motorola Razor phone from a few, from probably 15 years ago, the flip phone. So when it came out, it was a sensation. It was super popular, sold millions and millions of units. It's the first to have a metal case, a flat keyboard, no antenna. Everything about that was new. And then three or four years later, Motorola Mobile, Went the way of the dodo bird, yeah. Acquired by Lenovo, you know, gone. So, Sinek's point is that all these cool things that the Motorola Razor uh, had were novelties and not true innovations. So the question is, what pharmacy management system features would you say are novelties? I mean, because not everything can be an innovation. And then what things are innovations? And this just proves we didn't uh, vet these questions in advance. Yeah, wow, that's, uh, that's, a, that's, I, a, that's a deep one. I Can know, I, I, saw, I saw Craig's head roll back. He's like, wow, that's a loaded question. Where well, do my, I start? That's my default reaction was, you know, everything comes full circle. The flip funds are, are back in vogue now that they innovated yep. the glass. Mm -hmm. right? right, yeah, they're really <laughs> trying to... Yeah, but I've, I've heard that it's not going great, that it's still smashing because people think, oh, great, I'll fold it and put it in my back pocket, and then it's like crunch. Crunch, yeah. Well, and yeah. it's not exactly the same because you can't, you can't upgrade hardware with, with the whole, and change their form factor with software. Um, yeah, I, I mean— That's still a novelty, not an innovation? Yeah. I would probably say most things in the pharmacy system are novelties. You know, they're things—efficiency stuff is novelties. We've always followed innovation as far as, as as soon as the iPads came out, we we instantly went great. We need to get an iPad and we need to program to that iPad. Um, the little sensor that for people to put at the front of the door to create the, hey, this patient just walked in. That Apple killed. Mm, yep, that Apple, as soon as Apple put it out there, we instantly programmed it in. They killed it. We've always jumped on these innovations because somebody's going to go, oh, you know, this new iPhone's really cool and I, I want the new iPhone and I want my patients to be able to use it. And we've always jumped on all the technology out there and brought that into Pioneer. And it's kind of novelty-ish. Doug, you're going to cost me a lot of brain cycles over this one. <laughs> just just telling it's you, gonna make a this is going to this is gonna keep going after today. Yeah, I, I, think, I think innovation can also be defined as, as uh, if it fundamentally changes the way you work or live, you know, and, and if you, if you think in that lens, I, I would submit to you as an example, while fairly utilitarian, I think MedSync is a wonderful innovation in pharmacy management systems that if done right, changes the whole way you run your pharmacy mm -hmm. at a fairly dramatic level, actually. 
Yeah. Um, and I think most people would say that's not an innovation. And I'd, I'd say, well, no, you go, go, go to a pharmacy that implements MedSync really well and one that doesn't. I <laughs> and, love and that. Yeah. Very, no, that's true. Very that's very problems. true. Because it's not a novelty. It's not just a fashion. It's, 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 yeah, it's not just a novel. It's not a novelty that's like, oh, hey, that's cool. And now it's going away. It's, it's a novelty that you nailed it on the head that it changes the way you do your business and it improves it. Yep. Thank you, NCPA, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, the depth of integration of of the workflow in Pioneer is an innovation, in my opinion. You you go you go watch a pharmacist's day when they're in workflow with Pioneer versus other systems, and I did a lot of that before we made the Pioneer the investment in Pioneer, uh, and it's a dramatically different day in the life of a pharmacist. I, and I think uh, all of those pieces coming together is what's innovative uh, in in that system. And then you look at pharmacies doing CPSN and in tangent with the MedSync, and it's just, it's mind-blowing, and it's just completely yeah. different for that pharmacy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, the, some of the examples Sinek uses in his book is, or Sinek, Sinek, is, Sinek, is um, for Apple, iTunes, he, he references that as that turning the industry upside down, yeah. that, that segment of the industry, mm-hmm. the tablet. Well, that was Napster. Like that. And LimeWire yeah. turned it upside down. Yeah, yeah. Napster and LimeWire. I'm gonna wait the wait an hour for one song to download onto a CD. By the way, I just I just found my original Walkman device in in a, in a box in my house. I was super excited. Yeah. Oh my! They still I, sell I Walkmans it at the grocery store. Still in it. <laughs> oh my gosh! Hey, don't stop believing, man. Um, so we started the podcast with the question about the investment, and that's really sort of the inspiration behind these reverse podcasts is to talk about the the investment. So you mentioned Francisco Partners and Jeff, you mentioned the experience of the the guy in the bar that came up to you. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not intimate with all the different private equity companies, but I, I hear names that come up uh, in uh, different circles. And Francisco Partners, they uh, owned uh, or invested in Cover My Meds. They own good R- They own parts of GoodRx. They're very active in the healthcare space. Job of a good private equity company, and again, everything from what I read in here, Francisco Partners is very good at what they do, which is to make money for their investors. So what's in store for the company's future, for Red Sales' future, and how will independence stay as the most important thing to Red Sale going forward? First thing we, we did is we committed that we were gonna out-invest in this in this market and we made that commitment we're going to continue to do it so the first good thing that happened is we have been spending more dollars in technology development than has ever been spent in this space uh and and core to our strategy is doing that so you will you will continue to see uh an outflow of new technology uh coming coming out of red so that's in my opinion probably the singular best thing we francisco partners can do is continue to enable that. That only happens if we continue to be successful. And I think it's kind of a, a, circ, a circular reference formula uh, in, in technology businesses. Um, and so that, that's that's over the next several years what you should expect uh, from us. Um, people people always ask me, is, will, will Francisco Partners someday sell Red Cell? Of course they will, with 100% certainty. <laughs> like that, that's, that's the business model Francisco Partners has, um, and I, I've I've been privileged to be a part of that probably five or six times now. And every time, Francisco Partners made the company better, and we sold to somebody that uh, made the company even better. You know, I, I the first business I sold uh, with Francisco Partners was we we had carved out a business from McKesson in the health system space, uh, branded that uh, Ascent, and we. We invested in IV robotic technology. We invested in uh, cross health system inventory management, procurement technology, and then we ultimately sold that business uh, to OmniCell. Uh, back then, OmniCell's market cap was about a billion dollars. Right now, it's about seven point seven billion dollars. And every one of the products they purchased from Ascent, they invested in, and the customers are a lot better off for it. And so, you have to be willing to change the market. You, know, you started this this discussion on. You know, the, the, what change, good or bad, uh, I'd say in every investment Francisco Partners makes, they're trying to change the market by, by design. And we are very much trying to change this market. We're not trying to 
have it stay stagnant. Yeah, and, and there are people, what's interesting and, and honest when we have discussions, there are people out there who, believe it or not, don't believe that independent pharmacy has a future. And and Francisco, to have value in their investment, not only does the company have to be good, but the market has to be good, right? So you have to have as much energy and investment in independent pharmacy and being a market that people believe in and believe can be successful as you are in making your books match up and what That's your profit point, is. Yes. Yeah. When, when, we, when we make an investment, we, we value three things. And if you look at the returns, it's first, is it a good market? Second, is it a great team? And third, is it a great product? Because great markets and great teams can, can fix and innovate products. Uh, and when we looked at the independent market, our, our view was people are missing out. They're, they're missing the opportunity here. You know, I've got a slide that shows uh, everybody believes you talk pharmacy, everybody believes it's CVS and Walgreens. And I show that, you know, the 10,000, the 8,000 little bar chart. Well, the next slide is, yeah, but here's the 40,000 pharmacies that are the real market uh, that deliver care in this country. And that's the market that's being underserved right now. And so our, our thesis was that there are 40,000 pharmacies that are being underserved. We just need to figure out how to, how to point an investment towards solutions. Good, good, um, good answers. So I appreciate the time today, Marsha, Jeff, Craig. Uh, let, thanks for letting me take the wheel of, it's your podcast, but I'm, uh, I guess, renting the car. For, I'm not renting, I'm not paying you guys anything. So, uh, just- <laughs> All right, so how okay. did you feel this yeah. went? So the whole point of us check uh, continuing to invite you in to um, host the podcast is, you know, to hold us accountable. So what is our grade for this quarter? Yeah, you graded us last time, Doug. Oh, I did? Yeah. yeah. Let's see, what, see I need to go back and listen to Last what time we said. got a B plus? So yeah, so just based on member feedback, I would say it's a B. Uh-oh. Um, Uh-oh. Yeah, you know, hey, a B, uh, a B is good. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if I was my daughter, I'd ask you, how do we get an A? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, I don't even ask my kids that. I'm just so excited when they come in with a B and not not something lower. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think. We're um, A students. How no, do, my, how my daughter, if she got a 99, a? she's going to be setting a time in the teacher's office to say, how did this happen and how did this not mm-hmm. happen again? My, my daughter does that as well. <laughs> yeah, so how, so how do we get the A? Yeah, I wish. Um, yeah, unfortunately, that's not genetic in my family, um, at least to my kids. Uh, how do you get an A? So. Um, you know, I, I, again, a B is very good. So I'm not, you know, I think you're continuing to, I guess, I think you're continuing to grow market share, at least the reports that I hear, I read from you guys. Yeah, had our best year ever share. last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, best, best year ever last year. Yep. So, um, you know, I think there's, it may be impossible to get an A with the independent pharmacy um, marketplace, you know, because there's going to be, you mentioned, Jeff, you mentioned you've got 150 users on some product. And it may not make sense for you to, um, you know, use that service that they're that they're using. So there's, you know, it's hard to be uh, perfect. It's hard to get everyone. Um, I think that the um, the ca- the caveat on the A is that hey, if you get an A, and then six months, a year, two years, three years from now, it's red sales sold to X. And we don't like X, then I right. guess some of that cautionary note is, hey, you gave us an A three years ago. Yeah. So right. there is, there is always that um, uh, concern, sometimes on the verge of paranoia, because like, let's just say you guys own uh, Red uh, Francisco owns the Red Sail for five more years, and in those five years, you do wonderful things, you walk on water, but then at the end of five years, you sell it to someone that no one knows about, people are going to forget the five years of awesomeness and they're going to focus on, you know, that point in time. So it's, it's a tough market when you've got private equity as an owner, but, um, again, I'm not hearing complaints. I did, I have heard complaints in the past when private equity took over and I saw people vote with their feet. Um, I'm not seeing that with your company. So be happy with a B. 
I guess is no no way. I'm not, I'm not happy with the <laughs> B yeah, because I'm, 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 we went from a B plus to a B. Yeah, that's all right. Doug and I, we, we'll talk some more. All right, I got <laughs> some work to do. <laughs> we, we had yeah. from the we had from the control room. B is for boo. Yeah, I had to repeat yeah. that. <laughs> now, so we talked about the ninety ninety. You obsessed. so in English. Uh, I took a freshman English class and I got like a ninety two or something. And I was yeah, I was in the teacher's. Uh, office saying, well, wait a second. I should have gotten a 94, 96 because of this and this and this. And she's the first person, not the last, to say, you're obsessive. You know? So, you guys are a little obsessive here. That's, I took it as a compliment. As we should be. <laughs> should, as we should be. You, you, should, you should take it the same way. All right. All right. Thank you. I'm going to be obsessive. It's good to see you. How did, how did multi turn out? I heard it the best attendance out. ever. Uh, I don't know about ever, but at least in the last 10 years, maybe ever. Yeah. Um, wow. It was great. Great vibe. Yeah, great the vibe game. was good. You know, Saturday morning, sometimes it's a little light on attendance at like at you know 9 a.m. because people have been, you know, being overly happy the night before. <laughs> I looked out. Um, I looked out in the in the room and it was it was full. It was full. So people people came back and, you know, just a lot of heads nodding at the appropriate times or whispering to their neighbor, what about this? Keyboards tapping, good stuff. Yep, awesome. You do a Fantastic. great event. Thanks for yep. Doug, being with us today. Thank you so much. We'll See you, everybody. Uh, talk to you next My time. Pleasure. Bye, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Right. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like, subscribe, and follow us wherever you get your podcast. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts to help us reach more pharmacy professionals like you.